Hi, I'm Neil Bergman. And I'm Hayley Bergman. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands of fitness professionals to get qualified, learn with simplicity, and coach clients with confidence. We're the first to say that learning and being a fit pro doesn't have to be hard work and that with the right structure, support and resources, you can become a confident and knowledgeable fitness professional that is dedicated to more. So how do you learn, qualify and kickstart as a fit pro? This is the Fit Pro Sessions podcast with Parallel Coaching. Welcome to episode number seven. All about cognitive behavioural therapy. How are we doing? And how this relates to you as fit pros. Completely. More to the point. That's the key, isn't it? Because it's all about behaviour change for you as a fit pro to elicit behaviour change, maybe in yourself, yes, first and foremost, yeah. but also for your clients. Yeah, and how do you offer advice? It doesn't mean that by doing this podcast today that you're going to become this cognitive behavioural therapist, that you Far can go... Far from it, in Exactly. Fact. Far from it's it. about how do you understand the mechanisms of what this type of therapy is so you can refer a What client. I hope season eight uh, does for the fit, fit pro industry, really, doesn't matter what you're disciplined in, whether you're, you're a Pilates, yoga, personal trainer, boot camper, spinner, it really doesn't matter. What I hope it does is it inspires you to say, well, I need to find more information about this particular um, approach or this therapeutic uh, avenue and that that really I don't know like lights a flame up for me and I want to go and explore this I'm going to go nice. and find a maybe a, a qualification or a short course or a one day CPD or something online or I'm just going to read around this subject because at the end of the day you you, you need to be adequately uh, trained in this because you're dealing with someone's um, beliefs you're dealing with someone's values you're dealing with someone's behavior unconscious it's thoughts unconscious <laughs> thoughts you know this isn't something to dabble in it's a bit like a big taster um platter isn't it not Completely. to bring it back to food every time every time but, this is like this, the, the yeah, buffet season. of the, the, yeah. the, the chinese buffet go, of <laughs> Ooh, i like a bit more of that i'll go back Completely. and learn a bit more about that thing yeah which and, I, like and that's, that. I, I suppose that's how i got into it from from you know back in kind of pre you know 2010 really was yeah. dabbling into lots of different therapeutic approaches and then saying actually I really enjoyed motivational interviewing and that's when I went and did a number of short courses on motivational interviewing yeah. and then that leads down this kind of rabbit hole of actually in order to understand this I must understand um, NLP and then that leads into well I must understand cognitive behavioural therapy and, and then hypnosis yeah and you, you keep going. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me. Everybody, but that's what's nice about expanding your knowledge across lots of areas allows you to pick one area that you find more interesting and you can almost like follow your nose or such. Yeah. So you just kind of keep going in line with that thing you find interesting so that you can keep diving so on, deeper. So on this platter of, of uh, conversation then, what have we covered so far in season eight? So season eight has had, our first of all, our FitPro Guide to Behaviour Change. So we introduced what behaviour change actually is. Is. I really like that because we talked about the kind of the four processes of cue, craving, response, reward. Yes. And understanding that that was kind of a, a feedback loop, that the reward actually allowed you to get a greater cue and the cue actually fed the ah, reward. Yes, yeah, so it wasn't just linear. They cycled around Completely, each other. Completely, yeah. And that gave huge context to everything Why we've we done. Change. Yeah, and the context to season eight as well. So then yep. we went into... Understanding the trans-theoretical model. Which I think is kind of the backbone, backbone of yeah. behaviour change and understanding that there's various stages of change and a process of change and that it's not a standing uh, scale. 
Yeah, we said it's not black or white that you've you've changed or you haven't changed. You're ready to change or you're not ready. It was that kind of like graded approach of that kind of grey areas in between. And then we had exploring self-efficacy, which I think was really, really powerful because we had lots of really tangible Mm. uh, examples of how you could improve a client's self-efficacy through exercise through nutrition through mindset and how you're literally building them up as part of your journey i like that one i like that one a lot because it also built on the con one of the constructs of the transfer ethical mm. model cool yeah and then we developed communication skills that was wicked so i enjoyed that one lots about listening yes and uh sort of pa- how you paraphrasing and summarizing and that gave i hope that gave that that's something you can action immediately you don't need to go and do another course in that i don't i don't don't see it i think it's a key part of the level free pt yoga and pilates anyway and part of anything, isn't it? Communication skills. Yes, completely. Yep. And then Next. we went on to what motivates a person to change. I think this was my favourite one so far. <laughs> the motivators. The, the motivators. And it was about, you know, the towards pleasure or away from pain. Yeah. And we also had the uh, the idea of whether it's in the health, wealth or relationships as uh, well. Yes, completely. So I knew there was something the, else. <laughs> the specific type of motivation that that person has. Um, and then we linked that into marketing as well. Yes, which what was really I liked about that is because it's basically saying if I go deeper in my questioning uh, and we had meta language didn't we which was going into the kind of the details of a particular thing so the features features. then we went into the airy fairy woolly stuff as we went into Milton and went up and we understood that actually if we keep uh, describing uh, the the goal we will find out that there is a common goal of or a common word that links to either health, yes. wealth, or relationships. Yeah, so you yes. kind of go deeper but wider. Perfect. Yes. yes. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then final one week, smart goals. And I think the feedback from that has been fantastic I, because smart yeah. goals are seen as something that, oh, here they go There's again. There's the surprise, so isn't it? Yeah. Smart goals. But actually, what we dropped last week was this understanding that it wasn't just about specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time bound. We had another SMART acronym and a third SMART yeah. acronym. And then you've got these kind of 15 denominations, which I suppose, I haven't worked out, you could have hundreds of different denominations. Yeah, um, it's probably thousands, To truly understand actually what's going on inside someone's goal. Yeah. That links really nicely to this week. And I think that overview of this platter you we've just described, you know, <laughs> talked about platter. links nicely to this week as we talk about um, cognitive behavioural therapy. Or CBT. Or CBT. Which is, I suppose, probably the number one therapeutic approach used inside um, many co- managing many common clinical conditions within inside the NHS. It's it sits under the nice guideline as the kind of the key therapeutic approach for for a number of conditions and a number of clients. Yeah, well, it's a recognised approach for being able to change behaviours and change cognitive thought processes, which yeah. I think is really different to maybe we were talking a lot about behavioural change. That's but what I like point. is this step before it that happens in terms of in order to change someone's behaviours, you must first think about the th- or, or be aware of the thoughts that have influenced those behaviours. Yes. So instead you go, well, this situation, we'll go for a model in a moment, but this situation happened Therefore, I reacted or responded with this thought and then that thought led on to a behaviour. Now, you can't change the behaviour unless you change the thought. And that's where CBT sits. Yeah, okay, perfect. It changes the thought. So if we go back to like CBT, we're talking about going back to like the uh, 1960s with Aaron Beck and some of the kind of key founders of this therapeutic approach. 
And since then, it's had literally hundreds of, of scientific papers that have explored this, pulled it apart. And it's an incredibly credible, <laughs> incredibly credible. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking like, for? Uh, like therapy. Therapy, yeah, completely. <laughs> and that's why it's so backed up and used a lot in healthcare as well, because it's got so much of a proven um, research background to it. It's not experimental in any way. Yes. Um, and as a result, it's also very specific to the individual and their current thoughts, whereas some other therapies this look is a great point past they look at past events they look at like future events they look at so blueprints see, of families genetics yes and this is actually saying this is what you're thinking we could change that you don't change you as a person but it means that your behaviors start to change perfect so cbt is about the now not necessarily what pinning you, it what on what you did as a on, kid or yeah perfect doesn't go necessarily freudian in terms of childhood and, and bringing up it's just about where you are now which makes it really accessible i think without what, it being um intrusive what i liked about something you just said is it's just about a thought process or yeah. what i'm thinking about right now so right now i could be i'm recording this and i'm thinking about looking at my notes which are in front of me yeah okay so i'm present in this moment here but i can't see touch or feel or taste or smell my thoughts. I can't do any <laughs> yeah. my thoughts. I can't I can't take my thoughts out and say, Haley, there's all of my thoughts. Mm. Okay? But I've got a thought in my brain right now. Yeah, and I could write that thought down. Mm. Okay. That doesn't mean I'm showing you my thoughts. Yeah. I'm showing you a response or a reaction or a an an action through behaviour to articulate my thoughts oh wow does that make sense yeah because i kind of imagine thoughts as like this great big empty skull with like <laughs> these little word art images kind of like bouncing, bouncing off almost, the walls almost like, almost like a screensaver in yeah. Like, yeah, yeah 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 the 80s in, yeah in the 80s you <laughs> on know. the big white computers the, the, the <laughs> <laughs> i used to bounce on the walls in, in the computer room where you just used to watch like <laughs> almost like a cat looking out the window yeah <laughs> we digress That's what i imagine with the thoughts but like My you thoughts. said they don't you can't grab them or know what they are they come out in the behaviors they come out in the feelings and so this is what i like about cbt and this season so far is we're really recognizing that it comes down to language mm. okay yeah and understanding you know we use the term thoughts or, or as if we are our thoughts as if <laughs> yeah. as if those thoughts are real yeah now you know it comes down to, I suppose, a perception, isn't it? I think that my coach um, has has helped me come to terms with or has given me a model of is, is imagine you're sitting on a sofa right now. In fact, wherever you're sitting right now, mm -hmm. okay, I'm sitting on a sofa next to Hayley. We've got a green screen behind us, okay? <laughs> and straight ahead of us, if I looked at us you know, face on, that would be one perspective of my thoughts yes. or one perspective of language. Mm -hmm. Now, if I step to the side of the couch or your chair and you step to the side, yeah. okay, you're now looking at it from a different perspective. It looks totally different. It looks totally different. Yeah. Okay, I'm now looking at the side of my body. I'm looking at it from a different plane. Mm. I'm looking at it from a different axis of movement. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry to bring the anatomy in. <laughs> nice. So now I'm looking at it from a different perspective, but it's still the same thought. Ah, it, okay, yeah. Okay, it's still, everything about it is the same. Yeah. However, I'm looking at it from a different perspective. Nice. Okay, and that's what I like about. And if you went around the other side, it'd be different again, and the back would be different. I would see it from the back again. of my head, not the front of my head, but I'm still so looking at the. Bird's eye, it'd be different. Precisely. 
And so what... It reminds me of a dice, and just to digress, but it reminds me of a dice. You look at it one way and it's got one dot on it, yeah. but on the other side it's got six dots. It's the same dice. Completely, and, it, and you could have one person viewing that and going, well, I don't know what the problem is, you're just looking at a dice. Mm. You go, no, I'm looking at one dot, and the other person goes, no, I'm looking at six dots. So we're looking at the same thing. But we're looking at the same thing. Yeah. And so when we're looking at language, we need to kind of walk around the chair so to speak yeah okay and view it from different perspectives and and pull it apart and say well what does it mean for miss angle yes okay and that's what i really like about cbt is that it teaches you all the different types of thoughts that you have or that exist so that you can understand what they are like from all angles completely on top of that just going back to it it's about the language of mm. understanding that my thoughts are not, i am not my thoughts uh. and my thoughts are not me yeah okay and that those thoughts aren't actually real yes because i can't pick those thoughts up i can't you've gone out of screen <laughs> Haley dropped her notes <laughs> okay um you can't pick those thoughts up you can't you can only articulate them in the ways that you're capable of articulating yes. them yes Okay. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. So, so you just know it in your way. So like, for example, our five-year-old, four-year-old niece could articulate her thoughts using Crayola crayons and it would be, um, I don't know, like a messy picture on, on you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she has to do a picture and it's just a squiggle. Yeah, but, but exactly. she'd be able to articulate her thoughts about that day, mm. whereas an artist mm. would be able to articulate them in a very different way. So yeah, it's whatever nice. we ca our capabilities are at that moment is our ability capabilities to articulate our thoughts so you saying in terms of language is key here becomes taking that screensaver thought that we had bounced around in yes. our head and, and then for... being able to project that outwards in a language that works yes. to, to communicate and or articulate for the in well not just cbt but any therapeutic approach for the uh, practitioner therapist whatever title you yeah. want to give them is to be able to ask the right world-class questions right. to be able to for them to be capable to articulate what it is they're thinking. Yes. Okay. Nice. And then be able to walk around the chair for them and for you to understand, well, what does it mean from this perspective? What does it mean by this perspective? Which is why two episodes ago we talked about communication skills. Because it could be that they have this thought and are unable to articulate the thought. Yeah. And it's only through paraphrasing and summarising and those communicative open skills, questions. open questions, that you and the client or client and therapist are able to go actually that's exactly what i mean perfect yeah. yes yeah and you can see how this relates to goals massively as well perfect. can't you with thoughts because we've done goals last week so you can kind of tell that in if when you ask a client well what is your goal it's their world it's their perspective of yeah. that chair so they're looking at their goal let's say they're looking from the right hand side of the chair and they're looking at their goal and they're trying to articulate and explain that goal to you as if that is the chair this is what i want to achieve this is uh, like i can imagine it like this but their articulation of it might not be what you're seeing when they're articulating it so based on them explaining it but you then look at it from a different side and might perceive it differently it's only the open questions that allow you to get specific well, enough i'm going to be a bit abstract here it's kind of like <laughs> imagine imagine if we went to an architect now and said i want to build my dream yeah, house it's that. okay and he said right cool so what do you want your house to look like so, well uh, obviously i want it to have four walls i want it to have this door in the middle and i want a window either side and i want this big circular window over the stairs and they go cool what about the side of the house? And mm. you start, does that make sense? So yes, you the just. The architect. And that's what I see the 
the, the therapist here, or you as the fit pro here, is the architect to building their goal. Ah, so what does it look like around the side? Completely. What's the roof like? Exactly. If you were to stand in this position and you looked up, what do you see? What feelings do you get when you enter the house? Perfect. And yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. So when you look at this, this is, I suppose, what the what our role is as, as a fit pro. And, and it's about, I, I still want to stress, it's about staying in lane here mm. and understanding that if somebody has got a uh, an issue that you think requires more guidance, then that's where you would refer out to a CBT specialist. Or first and foremost, you'd refer out to a GP and the GP would then refer out into this multidisciplinary yeah. approach. So the GP becomes the centre, the hub. Mm -hmm. which is what exercise referral and long-lasting conditions for new course is exactly. all about. Yeah. But ultimately, it's still, this, this information is still really useful. And I mean, you can use it because it allows you to challenge someone's um, thoughts, feelings and emotions and Definitely. actions around their nutrition, around their physical activity. And as we start to break down this model over the next kind of like half an hour, 45 minutes, I, my aim is for you to have actionable, tangible, useful tools. Do you know, I can do that with a client right now. Yes. I can go and ask this question and I can explore this problem with my client right now. Or even just recognise things. So part of what we're going to talk about in CBT as we go through it is about um, thought processes and knowing, like being able to recognise a helpful and unhelpful thought. So if you can recognise that your client's got a string of unhelpful thoughts, yeah. you might go, actually, yeah, I will refer you on to someone because there's a way that you can address these thoughts, yeah. make them much more helpful, and that will then change your behaviours. Yeah. So it can work really nicely. But I think before we go there, it'd be great to Let, do the model. Let's outline this model then. So uh, imagine at the top of, uh, have a blank bit of paper, okay? So if you've got a blank bit of paper, you can write this down, but you can imagine it, okay? So let's uh, let's be the architect to this. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> okay. try and draw it out. Try and draw it. So at the top of a bit of paper, okay, in the middle of a paper, just draw a small circle, and inside that circle, just write situation, okay? And this is like, what is the trigger, okay? Yeah. What the triggers... Cue, the thing that happens. Yeah, what is the, the cue? What is the trigger that sets this kind of cascade of thoughts, emotions, behaviours and at reactions off. Physical reactions, okay. yeah. So you've got the situation at the top and then that goes down into thought and then imagine you've kind of got these four like different sections or four boxes. Now they're all interconnected so it doesn't really matter what order you do with but it goes from thoughts, then you've got emotions, you've got behaviour and then you've got physical reactions and they can kind of go round cyclically and they can go in between each other as well. So they're not just that you have to go thoughts to emotions, but you might go thoughts straight to behaviours. So let's let's so you're, you're you're probably lost on your bit of paper right now. So <laughs> in, the, in the top of a bit of paper, we had a circle which said situations. Okay, and next to that, you might have like what triggers the problem. Okay, and then underneath that, I suppose an easy way of describing it is imagine a compass with north, east, south, and west. Ah, you okay, go. so in north, okay, so just underneath situations, you're gonna have north, east, south, and west. So at north, you're gonna write thoughts. At East, you're going to write emotions, which is quite nice because it begins with an E. Yeah. Then at South, you're going to write behaviours. And then at West, you're going to write physical reactions. Now, you can see that there could be a cyclical. So those of you that are watching on YouTube, you can see my finger moving. It's like a cyclical from, from situations down to thoughts and then thoughts, round to emotions, round to behaviour, round to physical reactions, back to thoughts. But then you could have a cross in, like the compass. Like the, like the compass, okay. So you could actually go from thoughts directly down to behaviour or emotions directly across to physical reactions. Nice. And so what we've got here... It's interconnected, isn't it? Is More like a like, maze. Like... Yeah. 
Well, it, it's, it's an interconnected um, mess. Web. Web, yeah. really. Because it basically highlights that it, it isn't as simple as you go from this step to this step to this step to this step, similar to like the transferetical model, mm. okay? You've got your situation or the trigger, the cue, okay? And that's going to set off this cascade of thoughts. Now, the thoughts you have, okay, are going to stay between your left ear and right ear, but that is going to set off a whole host of emotions, okay, which links to a whole physiological response, yeah. okay, which would be your physical reactions. Yeah, so like feeling tired, um, loss of appetite, all those types of things. Yeah, so another, another way, my, my, my initial thought would be that my emotion would be that I'm, I don't know, let's say angry, mm. or and therefore my physical reaction would be a heightened level of adrenaline. Mm. Does yes. that make sense? Yes, physiological change. Physiological change. That yeah. would be a physiological reaction based on an emotion, based on a thought that perhaps was or wasn't real. Mm. And then you create a behaviour, aka letting the anger out, throwing a cup against the wall, whatever it might be. Whatever, yeah, completely. Yeah. And so you can Or like a little kid stamps a foot. Completely. <laughs> yeah. And so it's not as simple as going thoughts, emotions, behaviour, reactions. Mm. You've got this cross in the middle that allows the the emotion to jump somewhere else yes okay that from thoughts so, all three are impacted in different ways at different times yes. sometimes it will be one way round other times it'll be a different way around and there's no right or wrong mm. there's just okay nice. and every individual and every situation and every trigger for every client will have its own um path yeah nice that's yeah, really smart. Yeah, I just want to go through a nice example, like real simple, yeah, like it. as simple as we could probably ma possibly make it. Let's say you you are criticised by another PT in the club. In club, okay. let's make it that simple. Okay, so the situation is um, that PT. Um, let's just say Bob goes up to Jim and says to Jim, Look, "You're what, doing, you're doing lap, that wrong. You're doing a lap pull down wrong." Yeah. Cool. Okay. And then we're going to go on Jim's path. So Bob criticised Jim. And now Jim's thought process at that point, he might go, I'm not good enough, or I'm really bad at this. Or he might think, uh, I don't like Bob. Yeah. All these different thoughts. Think how many different thoughts. Oh, it's a gazillion level of thoughts. <laughs> it could be a thoughts all about how Bob shouldn't have said that. Bob was like this. Bob isn't very good. Bob doesn't have any clients. And then it could be, well, I don't I'm have any clients. Enough. Maybe that's why I'm not good enough. I didn't learn this. On I shouldn't do this. I'm a rubbish PT. Uh, yeah. All of that starts coming out. And that will influence, in no particular order, emotions. So he might be feeling like worthless, anxious. Low self-efficacy. Uh, yeah. Um, um, sad, annoyed, angry at Bob. Yeah. So he could be angry at Bob, but really like low in in his own mood of like well maybe it is my deflated. fault deflated yeah yeah um it would influence his behavior so he might avoid contact with bob next yeah. time and just be like i'm not gonna not even gonna do lap pull down around bob he might even turn around and say i'm never gonna do lap pull down again yeah. because bob's been doing this so one of the thoughts bob's been doing this for way longer than me bob knows more than me mm. okay bob's more, more qualified than me he's got his level four i'm only just on my level three and i'm yeah. newly qualified so my behavior is i'm not going to have clients around bob and i'm not going to use the lap pull down in case bob does see me yeah or other clients or i think the same i'm not good enough yes 
Yeah, and then his feelings or his physical, sorry, his physical reactions to that might be things like feeling like tired and lethargic about it, or he might be like, I'm not going to carry on my workout now, I've done it wrong, I'm going to go home. Well, it, that kind of like sluggish, like apathetic. Well, it could be, but every time uh, he, but Jim walks reaction. back into the gym. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was done well. <laughs> that was done well. Um, every time he sees for lap pull down, he gets sweaty palms. Yeah. Every time he sees for lap pull down, he. Um, has an irregular heartbeat of like mm. that, like it's it nervous feels that it. nervous. It feels like his heart's like pounding. Yeah, it could even feel like his breathing rate changes or his pupils dilate. Now, what's... or he looks. Oh, sorry to jump on. Like he could even look nervous. Yeah, he could look look around. He could be looking around. He could look, you know, apprehensive on edge. On edge. And now in the gym, in the foyer or around that that area, you've got clients looking at Jim, going, "Well." He doesn't look particularly confident. He looks nervous. He looks uh, apprehensive. He, he doesn't look like he's, he's confident. He hasn't got his shoulders back like he usually does. And so now that links to other people's thoughts, emotions, behaviours and physical reactions to Jim. And his own thoughts, gym. emotions and behaviours yes. start to cycle. And then let's just say you're having a chat with Jim months down the line. And you're like, it's really interesting. You never do the lap pull down with your clients. Why don't you do the lap pull down with your clients? And he's like, I don't know. I just never really do it. So he gets to the point whereby his behaviour sets in stone and becomes a habit that he's now avoiding, say, the lap pull well, down, or he we... avoids Bob, whatever his behaviour was based on the thought. Well, it's something we said in, I think, the first um, episode for season eight was by James Clear and looking at atomic habits. And that's mm -hmm. where the cue, craving, response to reward came yeah. in. And understanding that the first time you do something, that's for learning or the failure. And every time after that, is a habit yes okay so you only really ever fail or learn once mm. so what's happened here is the first situation was the most potent situation yeah where bob actually had that interaction they only interacted once remember yeah and that was enough to set this um thought cascade emotion cascade behavior cascade uh physical reaction cascade off whereby there wasn't there didn't need to be any more dose yeah. The potency of that first dose was so great that it meant that it became a habit after that. Now, this could be at a conscious level yeah. where where Jim could say, I really, but, but I don't like Bob and I, I, I'm no good at this and my self-doubt, yada, yada, I'm a cascade. Or it could be at an unconscious level. So Jim could be completely um, unaware yeah. that that situation and interaction and potency with Bob is the reason he doesn't do the lap pull down anymore. Is the reason anymore. he doesn't do the lap pull down. He just has a like, horrible, icky feeling about the lap pull down. Doesn't do it. And every time I go in, I just don't. I never like it. Completely. Just don't like it. And so it would be. <laughs> a, I'm totally unconscious. So within CBT, the role of CBT would be to unpick that mm. and find out. Well, you don't necessarily have to start with a situation. You could start any one of the five key areas so you've got situation you've got thoughts you've got emotions behavior and physical reaction yeah. and you can work in it and, and trying to unpick any one of those to get back and and i suppose reverse engineer of what's going on and this here. is what i find really interesting about cbt is it's not all it's not just about going back to that same situation yes, and unpicking the past but it then deals with how do you stop something like this happening again yes, whereby you, you intercept it at the thoughts perfect. so you it's almost like a training tool whereby you're teaching somebody to manage and be aware of their thoughts much better so the next time bob interacts and says something 
bad to Jim. Jim can actually deal with it and, and process his thoughts in a helpful way rather than in an unhelpful way. So it doesn't have to unpick the past necessarily to well, get movement forward. Forward, perfect. I, that summarises CBT a treat. So mm. I'm going to high five you for that. Yeah. I like that. Because, because it is about the thoughts feelings and emotions in the now. Yes. What I also like is that kind of Mercedes model, mm, okay, yes. of, of the links, I suppose, it's closely so close to, this, to, isn't to it? CBT. So imagine a new, get a new bit of paper now, okay, <laughs> and imagine the Mercedes uh, car, the Mercedes badge, imagine that logo, and it's kind of a dot in the middle and it's got like three arms off it, isn't it? So you've got three yeah. clear areas, so yeah. thoughts, feelings, and emotions. A pie divided in three. <laughs> yeah, Hayley's gone back to food. Okay, never mind. Chocolate cake divided into one, Hayley, please. <laughs> it's it be? all mine. It'd be, it'd be a full Cadbury's dairy meal um divided into one portion please just for Hayley. <laughs> oh anyway, you're so starved i oh, know completely okay now you've set me off on this thoughts feelings and emotions <laughs> no, no. but you've got mercedes this mercedes model, model. so you've got yeah. thoughts feelings and emotions so your thoughts directly impact your uh, emotions and your emotions directly impact your feelings and they keep and it's a cyclical cycle as yeah. it around Thoughts, feelings and emotions and behaviours. And the three of them keep going around. Yes. So thoughts, feelings and emotions, behaviours. Affect your behaviours and your behaviours then affect your new thoughts. Yeah, and they keep okay. going. So you've got this kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy either going down or going up. Yep. I don't, I, it, one of my global beliefs is when human beings, we're never staying still. Mm. We're never static. You're either moving forwards or you're moving backwards. And that's what I see this Mercedes models as because... I could have a, a positive thought, which would impact my feelings and emotions, yes. and therefore my positive feelings and emotion, uh, 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 positive uh, emotions <laughs> and feelings, based on my positive thought, impacts my yes. positive behaviour, and therefore my positive behaviour reinforces in a positive feedback loop my like positive um, uh, thoughts. My, my new thoughts. Yeah, you're like, oh, I'm good at this. I like and this. And vice versa. Yeah. So a negative thought impacts a negative feeling, a negative. Uh, emotion and that impacts a negative behavior and that reinforces a negative feedback loop to to keep going down Perfect. that cycle yeah i like that really okay, so that comes my, in really one nice of my there. global beliefs of like cbt is would be like take the teeter totter seesaw okay very i can't think of many things in life whereby the seesaw would be completely level mm. where the weight on each side would be perfect yeah, where the seesaw would moving. be is either up or it's down you're either yeah. sliding slowly even even if you had two people on there very similar weight okay it could be your exact same weight but one person's got slightly heavier one's leaning forward one's leaning, one's back. leaning back or maybe one's got a coat <laughs> on and one hasn't and one's got shoes on and one hasn't yeah. there's just enough of a weight on this teeter-totter for it to tip and whilst you might not feel like you're moving forwards or moving backwards it might only be one degree out mm, you right. are still slowly moving forwards or very very slowly moving backwards you're not stationary but it comes a point whereby even if you are just slowly moving and it's only one degree out, the weight will slowly, slowly tip and over habits after habit, after days after days, you're, mm. excuse me, you'll find all the weight is on one side now. Yes. And then the seesaw has this, um, I suppose, like point of no return. Yeah. Whereby the... It needs a lot of force to then push it back up. Now the weight has got back further away from that fulcrum, that pivot point mm. where it just goes bam and the load lifts it up. Yeah. There we go. 
There we I go. Like it. Should, I we like end, it. should we end it there? Yeah. <laughs> Where <laughs> We've we got some next? core concepts, the CBT, cool. to go through. Go for it. Um, and there's four core concepts. Um, so the first one is to understand the levels of cognitive processing, um, which sounds, I think, a little bit um, like deep and serious. But really, what we're talking about is about conscious and unconscious thoughts. Yeah. So we're going to go into each of these as we go through the core concepts of CBT. They kind of expand. But I think the main thing to understand is that there are three levels of cognitive processing. You've got a consciousness, you've got automatic thoughts, and you've got schemas. And we'll go through those other ones in a moment. But just the difference between consciousness and unconsciousness is the primary part of understanding cognitive processing. How I like... So can I go into the island analogy now? Yeah. Is it too early or uh, No, yes, go for it. No, this is definitely where you'll do it. So where yeah. I like to think about this in terms of like consciousness and unconsciousness is, is kind of seeing the brain like island, where you've got Northern Ireland and Ireland. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, you've got Northern Ireland, which is top right of Ireland. Okay. Yeah. And you've got a border. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you can't necessarily see the border. You know the border is there. Okay, it's very clear what side of the, the line you're on. You're either in Northern Ireland or you're in Ireland, mm -hmm. and it's probably even more so now with like things like Brexit and whatnot. Of yeah. like the arguing over like what can go across that line. But for, for for all intents and purposes, like there's no physical wall there. There's no actual barrier. <laughs> Bless you. I'm not, I'm not going to edit that one out. <laughs> I could see Hayley was just about to sneeze. So I'm like, uh, we're going to pause. It's we're going to pause. Carol, it was cool. an unconscious sneeze. <laughs> yes, completely. <laughs> So think about it in terms of like, there's no physical barrier there. It doesn't actually stop anybody from going from island to Northern nice. Island, Northern Island to Ireland. Okay? Yeah. You can come and go. Okay, mm. And you do need a passport to get across there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, imagine, I think we've, we've put this into previous FitPro sessions, but imagine that Northern Ireland is your conscious brain. Right. And notice that your unconscious brain is the is island itself. Yeah. Okay. Which is vastly bigger. Yeah. So your unconscious brain has got a disproportionate amount of space, more space, more volume than your northern island little section at the top, okay, which is your conscious. Nice. Now, for the best part of our day, our conscious brain is making what we believe to be making decisions and we're consciously running. Okay. So I'm consciously recording yeah, this now but i'm only really using a very small section of my brain mm. yet there's lots of things going on in the background in my unconscious brain which is island yeah and that is responsible for so much more of my day than i could ever imagine yes we can't even quantify what's going on in there no completely yeah and so if you consider now that a lot of our thoughts all of our thoughts that we are consciously aware of are all happening up in island mm -hmm. okay northern with, island no, northern island sorry which yeah. is the small bit yeah with cbt and these various uh, therapeutic approaches and motivational interviewing and hypnosis and nlp that we haven't discussed yet what we're going to try and do is explore these thoughts from our conscious and have the passport to go back into our con unconscious brain which again to remind you is a vastly disproportionate amount of space compared to northern ireland yes. our conscious brain yeah does that make sense now yeah. that border that we can't see okay you can't you can't see the difference between your conscious and unconscious there's no physical border there there's no wall there's nothing just like in ireland and northern ireland there's just a an imaginary line for a better word yeah you know i've not i've not been there but there's no spray paint on the floor is there <laughs> to say you are now in northern ireland <laughs> on major roads it would it would have like it'd be clear, it would be yeah, clear yeah. but overall yeah. you can't see all of the line now 
between our conscious and unconscious, that's called our critical faculty. Okay, so we're dealing with our conscious thoughts, which lead to our emotions, which lead to our behavior, which lead to our physical reactions. But a lot of this is going to be dealt with inside our unconscious. And in yeah. order to get to our unconscious, we've got to ask world class questions and have an appropriate environment to get past that critical faculty. Okay, which is the border between the conscious and unconscious and allow our unconscious to actually deliver some world-class answers. Yeah, nice. What I really love about this is that you're basically saying we, in order to access that unconscious, you've got to go through the border yeah. between your un your conscious and your unconscious. And in order to do that, you can then go in, extract information or make changes and then hop back. Yes. Um, and inside the unconscious section, there are two different types. You've got automatic thoughts, which we'll go into in a second, and then schemas, which go even deeper, which we'll go into in a I moment. Mean, so you kind of end up with consciousness and then you've got these two other different types swimming around in our con so unconscious co bit. Co I like to see it as like Northern Ireland the, the conscious would be like rational uh, uh, making decisions on a rational basis. Yes. Yeah. Right? So it's like a logical thought a logical process. thought process. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. So for example like conscious you know I'm going to go and buy a car and I could rationally justify it and say well it's got great miles per gallon. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And that's just a thought that comes in. I go, actually, that's logical. It's rational for me to say that. However, I could be looking at a totally different car. Going, but that one is amazing. Look at that one. Look at that one. And it'd be the worst miles per gallon. But there's something about that car that keep, I keep getting drawn towards. Mm, and that's, totally that's because I've gone across that critical, critical faculty and my unconscious is delivering up these other thoughts and conjuring up other emotions that say... Neil, go and look at this car, sit in this car. Oh God, look how it feels. And suddenly you're switched on by these automatic thoughts and, and unconscious schemas mm. that we're not aware of. Yes. And when, if you think back to the model that we had a moment ago, we had the situation at the top and then you had the compass of the four things underneath. Yeah. If you now think that of the four things, your situation happens, thoughts then influence your emotions, your behaviours and stuff. Those thoughts could be conscious or they could be unconscious thoughts. So sometimes you can even go in and make a behavior of something that's related to an unconscious thought that you weren't even aware of because yes. it all happened unconsciously. It doesn't have to be a conscious thought to create a behavior or an emotion or anything it's else. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? Isn't it? So if we move down to automatic thoughts. Yes, let's go deeper into that. Cool, go for it. So automatic thoughts are the unconscious thoughts that are leading and driving, like what we said, our emotions and our behaviors, etc. Now, some of these are helpful. <laughs> some of them are unhelpful. Yeah. They are accurate and they are inaccurate. So you've so, kind of got different categorizations. Okay, just, 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 just categorize them again. Just, just so you've got... Helpful and unhelpful. Perfect. Then you've got... So to pause you, I could have a helpful thought which helps me move forwards. Yes. Okay. Or I've got an unhelpful thought that makes helps me move backwards. Yes. Which goes back to our teeter totter. Yes. Yeah, okay, exactly. So I'm either moving forwards or back. Either helpful or unhelpful. And then you had two more which were... Accurate thoughts. And accurate thoughts are things that clearly represent what has happened. So if we go back to... Um, Bob saying something about Jim's lap pull down um, when he was criticizing him the accurate and probably helpful thought that um, Jim would have would be oh he's just criticized my um, my lap pull down that's absolute statement of what happened it's factual whereas when he turned around and went my thought is that I'm not good enough he therefore has turned it into an inaccurate thought 
okay, relating perfect. to something that happened. There's a really good book that um, isn't in our notes that I want to mention here, which is called um, The Work by Byron Katie. Yeah. And she talks heavily around this about um, kind of like, I suppose it's cheesy in, in saying that the truth will set you free, mm. but it's understanding what are the facts. And I think that's what a lot of people in in any day-to-day -day thing whether it be conscious or unconscious really struggle with mm -hmm. is is looking at something for how it is and that's what tony robbins taught us back in 2013 L look at it for what it is not for what you want it to be or what you want it to look like yeah you know, what are the what are the facts as you know it right now and you might not like seeing or hearing or tasting or smelling the facts yeah but they are the facts yeah. So is it accurate and inaccurate or is it helpful and unhelpful? And then what's really interesting in CBT is that the, there's clear acknowledgement that those that have mental health issues or problems are also those that have more inaccurate thoughts within that scheme. And unhelpful thoughts. Exactly. And also those that have behaviours that are incompatible to the goal or incongruent to the goal Perfect. are also showing unhelpful or inaccurate thoughts. So just go through that bit again because there's a lot a lot, a you, lot, just, of a words. lot you just said. <laughs> So you, you recap it and I'll, and I'll paraphrase those it that, <laughs> and I'll summarise Those it. that have men, look, the mental health bit as well. Yeah. So those that have mental health issues or problems or conditions are more likely to have more unhelpful or inaccurate so I'm going to use myself here and I'm going to be really vulnerable. So I do, I have on certain days crippling anxiety yeah. and I can see this model in me so easily. <laughs> so just, just recap what you just said and let's so use me as the example. Those that have mental health conditions yeah. or problems or issues are more likely to have more unhelpful or inaccurate thoughts. So on a day where I experience high levels of anxiety, I have higher, I'm, I'm potentially more exposed to more unhelpful thoughts and... Following a situation. If a situation happens, I also interpret it with an inaccurate um viewpoint yeah so for example if i'm sitting back on the sofa now the perspective is this is i'm seeing it for what it is yeah okay there is uh two legs and i can see the back of the sofa and i can see the arms of the sofa mm -hmm. but what i've done when it's inaccurate i've looked at it from a slightly different perspective and i'm not seeing it for what it is yeah. and therefore it's an inaccurate thought which leads to that being what's unhelpful information for my brain, which you can already tell isn't going to bode very well for somebody that is already highly anxious. Yeah. Doesn't it make so much sense with communication? So yes. if we say that we we all sent a message to Neil, right? So we're all going to send him a text um, and I could send him the same text on two different days. Depending on how he looks at it with helpful or unhelpful thought processing will determine his emotions, his behaviours and his physical reactions he gets from it. Now, that isn't a result of the message because the message is exactly the same. Yeah. The text message is exactly the same. And the reason why I chose the text message is because you can't see tone of voice and everything else. Which, which... So that communication had to be clear so it didn't yes. send you down an unhelpful thought Inaccurate process. thought process. Completely. Yeah. And that's why so many... Um, I suppose arguments and things happen on social media is because mm. you are already in a current situation. You're already running a whole host of conscious and unconscious thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And the way somebody writes something or and you interpret that is remember we seven percent verbal, isn't it? Yeah, like we are we we we're getting frustrated 
about the other person, yet it's our perspective of what we're viewing. <laughs> yeah. And it's our own thoughts that aren't necessarily real, but it's our reaction and behaviour and emotions based on that thought. <laughs> and yet they had all good intentions. They had yeah. all the best. And that's what it, you know, everything we do, there is always good intentions behind it. Nice. Okay. So you could turn around and say, well, you know, this person didn't have good intentions at work or my kids don't have good intentions when they keep me up all night, you know, whatever. But they all have good intentions in that moment. They're not doing it to annoy you, to frustrate you or to trigger you. Yeah. We're only triggered because it's our own situation and we go back through this CBT our model. Our own thought processing. Our own thought process, our own emotions behind that. And then we link words to that. We link language to that. We link a behavior to that and a physical reaction. And now you've got this self-fulfilling prophecy either going down or going up and then with the, unhelpful, helpful thoughts or accurate, inaccurate Exactly. Thoughts. And the other part of this was noticing differences on behavior relating to goals. So you might have a client that, um, oh, you've got an example. By the no, no, I was going to say, let's use me as the example. Yeah, with, with No, you've got to tell me what, what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a sign that somebody is running unhelpful or inaccurate thought processes is that their behaviors that they do or things they say don't match with their goal or intention. Completely. I've got, I'm, I'm not going to expose all of this because you don't know. <laughs> but I'm going to say story. yesterday, yeah, yesterday, this is a true story, okay? Um, I had a, I was a highly anxious day. I mm. was triggered in the morning and that led on to a cascade of other thoughts, feelings and emotions that unraveled throughout the day. Yeah. To the point my behaviour on the phone wasn't rude to anybody, but I was very stern in my message wasn't in alignment with the very thing I want, mm. which is what I'm heading towards as a goal. Yeah. And so this is this is exactly yeah. that, isn't it? I had an unhelpful thought. Yeah. Okay. Which led to an inaccurate perception of my thoughts. Yeah. Which led to various emotions that led to a behaviour and then a physical reaction of me actualizing it, bringing this thought to a reality. Mm. Okay. Which for a better word, wasn't in alignment with my goal. Yeah. Isn't this self-sabotage? It completely is. So self-sabotage is whereby you want something, you say you want something, you are all in for it, but then you do or things happen whereby your behaviours stop you from achieving that um, or sabotage it along the way. There and that go. is all under automatic thoughts. Well, think about this like for your clients in terms of like, how do they, are they... Are they self-sabotaging their nutrition? Are they self-sabotaging their efforts? Do they get so far for a program and then stop? Or why did someone pause? Why did someone lapse, relapse? It goes back to a transferetical model, doesn't mm. it? Of that like point of like, why did you, why did they just pause? Why didn't they get back to me? Why did they binge out in this? Why did they binge out? Why did they ghost me? Why did they just why did they do that for a weekend? Like, I don't mm. understand it. What was the situation? What was the cue? What was the trigger? What was the unhelpful and inaccurate? perspective of that thought feeling and emotion it's amazing isn't it i think this is a, so fascinating this is a solid episode I'm, isn't like, it because it, it's it's, it's a full course in yeah well it allows great. it allows hopefully it allows you to sit there and go that makes sense of why i did what i did or why i do what or I why do. someone else has or done why what somebody they did. else do they do. Yeah, like, you know when you say something to someone you're like god i don't know why you reacted like that, that a, like that's a bit <laughs> bizarre yeah and that's because it's not congruent to what you expected based on maybe you've done the same thing before to them or said the same thing before, yet they responded in a totally different way because they applied a different thought process to it. It reminds me because I've done that, you know, I've, I've worked with literally hundreds and hundreds of guys inside my boot camp that 
uh, all all are overweight and obese and have various conditions and whatnot. But it reminds me of uh, many situations whereby they'd come back in on a Monday and they'd tell me about what happened over the weekend. Mm. And you could see whether it was something that was maybe being consciously driven that was pre-planned to self-sabotage or they genuinely didn't understand why they why they yeah. ate that over the weekend or how. Now, I remember one, one, one of my clients actually turned around on numerous occasions going... I don't actually remember eating the cheesecake. Wow. And I know this is, that sounds quite abstract, but the amount of times that one of my clients I would literally sit in the in, in his van over lunch and get to the end of it and go, and I, I, I don't even recall buying it. I don't even recall eating it. Yeah. Didn't satiate Because it, it was all fall, unconscious thought. All unconscious. And yeah. So really, what was the cue? What was the trigger? What was the situation that led that person on the cascade to have a physical behavior of buying that and then eating it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're all those. Um, so, and know, that's... where in where in your world do you have clients? That's my question. I suppose. Sorry for yeah. jumping in. Can can you can you take this information and help a client unravel unhelpful thoughts, helpful thoughts, okay, to either move forward or back, and inaccurate thoughts and accurate thoughts to move forward or back as well? Yeah, lovely. And the next one to have a look at is cognitive errors, which moves on really nicely. So, you know, we were talking about those helpful and unhelpful thoughts, the things that are inaccurate. These come out in the things that we say and the things that we do in terms of our behaviours. Now, with cognitive errors, there are six that we can look out for. These are examples of errors that your client might make in how they're phrasing something or things that they're doing that basically show that they're running an unhelpful or inaccurate thought processing. And I like to link now, because we have got to do one on NLP, which will be another future yeah. episode. Within that, you've you've got three key constructs, really. You're either going to delete something yeah, nice. from uh, from the, from the language. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going to delete a word or delete something from the accuracy yeah. of the fact. Yeah. Okay, you're going to distort the fact. Okay, so you're going to, I suppose bend the truth mm -hmm. okay or you're going to generalize whereby you're going to make it so airy fairy woolly in your language that you can't pinpoint specifics of the fact yeah so you've got the fact you're either going to delete part of the fact you're going to distort part of that fact or you're going to generalize the fact yes and you're left with these cognitive errors so the six are so if i just read um, them yeah they're yeah that's okay cool. so you've yep. got selective um, abstraction yeah you've got arbitrary uh, inference Yep. Am I reading this right? Yeah, so you, got... you, you read them. <laughs> Selective... <laughs> my my, uh, my mm. writing is not great. Selective abstraction, arbitrary in, in, inference. Inference. Yeah, it looks like it's just an interference, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was... Um, Overgeneralisation, magnification and minimisation, personalisation and absolute, absolutistic <laughs> all-or-nothing thinking. So, so all absolute, basically. Absolute, so all-or-nothing all thinking. Yeah. Cool, so let's just dive into each one of these. So let's yeah. look at selective abstraction yeah so this is whereby um you're drawing a conclusion based only on a small amount of the available information so essentially you've deleted something else yeah. um that means that you turn around and say i'm going to ignore all of that part that you said or of that yeah. that thing that happened and i'm just going to focus on this so for example i could go back to bob's situation and i could where we had bob and jim talking in the gym in, in, in the gym <laughs> and but when bob said that criticism to jim he might have also said some really good things to jim about what he is as a yeah. pt and he might delete out all of that part of the conversation and instead just focus on the the bad thing so that he said a lot, a lot of CBT, a lot of the transfer reticle model, a lot of these 
kind of the early studies around um, these therapeutic approaches were based on smoking cessation. Mm. Okay, so a smoking example would be where, let's say, let's yeah. take Bob now, because Bob has got a mean character. He okay. has a bit, isn't he? Okay, so let's just say, look, Bob goes outside of the back of a gym and he's smoking. Okay, so you could ask Bob, let's pick on Bob, okay, yeah. and say, why do you smoke? And he said, you know, from, an, from a selective abstraction, Bob continues to smoke, okay, uh, because he has ignored all of the important information around the health risks, okay, but has chosen to pick up on one kind of medical <laughs> condition yeah. for which nicotine reduces risks. Yeah, okay. okay so he nice. picks out just one kind of positive Okay, the snowflake stories. The, the smallest Small. bit of research that says, however, if Actually, you have one a day, this bit of nicotine will benefit, blah. Completely. And he just focuses on that one thing rather than all of the all other data of, that so, says so don't do it. It's deleted, okay, and somewhat distorted and so, generalised, but mainly deleted. So he selectively abstracted he selectively, it. Selectively, <laughs> selectively abstracted information to suit his health behavior yeah okay nice. or to justify his health behavior yes cool next one down which is what i neither of us could say which arbitrary, was arbitrary inference um is where you come to a conclusion that is consistent with an existing belief even in the face of contradictory evidence or without any evidence to support this perspective so i knew i was right uh, regardless of the research that comes in or of a situation yeah. that you're in. So an example for your client might be that perhaps they're overweight or obese and this person will continue to believe that weight is unrelated to health, despite all the evidence. So like yeah. there is an overwhelming, overarching level of evidence around how being overweight of BMI 25 to 29.9 and then BMI 30 and above and then grade one, two, three, morbidly obese, what, whatnot, links to various conditions, how it leads to premature death, how it leads to a whole multitude of multi-comorbidities. And it's basically saying that's all we're unrelated. Yeah. This reminds me of um, a situation I have with my dad now. He used to eat what he called thunder and lightning for breakfast. Now, the thunder and lightning, you guys will giggle at this because you're fit pros, but um, is a, sl a thick slice of white bread with clotted cream, and I mean thick clotted cream, and then honey over the top for breakfast. And he'd have one of those every morning, basically. Um, and I remember when I was learning originally about becoming a PT in health things. And I would tell him all this information about cholesterol and, and impact of like, even like insulin spikes and stuff throughout the day. And he'd be like, it's not killed me yet. So he would use that one evidence of the fact that he's still alive yeah. to be that it must be okay. So it's believing that something <laughs> isn't unrelated. And yeah, it's not related yeah. to that. Cool. Next one down is over generalization. Yes. Okay, which I like this because it immediately says that like, we've got distortion, deletion, and generalization. So we know what this is going to yeah, be. So this general. is making a conclusion about an isolated incident or limited number of incidences and then applying this conclusion illogically to a much broader context. Yeah. Okay. What I like about this as a, an example away from fitness is you can see it in uh, racism, sexism, anything along those lines whereby somebody has had one experience and they generalise it across to everything. Yes, great. That's um, a good example, actually. Isn't it? And I think and, well put, well and said. And <laughs> why so many people can yeah. turn around and say, it doesn't make sense why they would feel that way about me, but they've generalised their opinion based on one experience. It's a great point. Okay, I hope I'd like you to pause that and think <laughs> about maybe just what Hayley just said around uh, racism and sexism. There's lots of topics, isms, isms there. <laughs> There's lots of topics that trigger a lot of people and maybe we've 
created a fort. Fattest, where, genderist, all the, yeah, all of it. Like, I'd be really, you know. Do you have an opinion about blonde people compared to brunettes? Do you have an opinion about people that have beards that don't have beards that have glasses that don't have glasses? Our uh, behaviours and our physical reactions are our actualization of our thoughts mm. now impact other people, and we could become the Bob. Yeah. There we go. Opinions Best. about accountants, insurers, lawyers, doctors, you whatever it. it is. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Next one down is uh, magnification. Mm and minimization. Minimization. <laughs> like, so, I was trying to read my notes, like a minimum, minimum, <laughs> uh, And it's a bit of a distortion, really, isn't it? Because yes. you're basically either magnifying, so making one event really big, really important, or you minimise it by, um, oh, it doesn't matter. So you're literally either magnifying or minimising it. But ultimately, it's about making it consistent with existing beliefs or perceptions. Ah, uh, there you go. So, again, go back to the sofa. We're sitting on the sofa, and this is my belief. This is my thoughts. These are my feelings. And so I'm going to magnify this to uh, be consistent with my confirmation bias mm. or I'm going to minimise it to support my confirmation bias. Yes. Cool. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's really clear. So we've got two more to go through and then we've got schemas. So first off, I appreciate the fact you're still with us. We're 55 yeah. odd minutes in. Um, there's not a there's not a huge amount of time left, uh, but we will probably end up being one of our longest ones. So yeah. let's stop gabbling. Next one down is personalization. Yeah, and this is relating an event or situation to oneself to oneself um, <laughs> when there is little or no reason to do so. So you become the cause. Which you just did. <laughs> to oneself. One you yeah, you, I didn't have to make it about you me. You didn't have to make it about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, this can include a person taking excessive responsibility or blame or negative events that are unrelated to them. So it could be like that something happened and they take that blame on for themselves. Um, or it could be that they've seen examples where other people have, let's say, for example, um, lived to the age of 90, whereby they've smoked, they've drunk, they've not done any exercise and yeah. they lived that old, that healthy sort of life right to the end. So it's only like, it was all right for them, so it'll be all right for me. Which is the thunder and lightning thing with your dad. Yeah, same sort yeah, of thing, completely. isn't it? Yeah. So then the final one is absolutistic. So this was that all or nothing thinking. So yeah. um Which distortion, right? Yeah, completely. So you're basically turning around and saying that there's a limiting perspective such that all events ex and experiences and actions of one person, so of that person, is categorised into an extreme of either good, bad or... All, nothing, perfect, broken, beautiful, ugly, successful, failing. So they're binary. They're binary. So it's a this or that, isn't it? Mm. And we all, we could all agree, uh, we, we well, maybe not, mm. <laughs> okay, that having an all or nothing thinking, um, in certainly from a fitness perspective or nutrition perspective, isn't helpful. And it's well, also inaccurate. You see inaccurate. that in good and bad foods, don't you? you it's see like, that in good can't and bad. have white bread, it's bad, but you can have brown bread because it's good. Yes. You can't have um, this food, but you can have that, and it becomes good and bad. And you can see it heavily within, say, maybe, I don't know, I'm jumping into a, maybe down a rabbit hole we don't need to, but within certain age groups, I'm going to take teenage girls and social media mm. and looking at maybe anorexia nervosa and so looking at. The, the impact and effect of social media and that that's beautiful yet that's ugly ah uh, yeah 
Yeah, so different perceptions. There's no grey areas. Completely. It's all absolute. And CBT, you know, picking out one of those conditions around eating disorders um, is CBT is heavily used within that. Yeah. Usually, it's one of the main therapeutic approaches for eating disorders. So, yeah. anorexia nervosa, bulimia, and so forth, and binge eating, and it's massively used for eating yeah, disorders completely. and mood disorders. So, yeah. those are six uh, thingies cognitive which link to cognitive areas, which were part of levels of cognitive processing. The mm. final. So if you see lots of these start to come up with your clients, you might turn around and go, that's a sign that they're not processing thoughts in a helpful, helpful way. Or an accurate way. So I would refer on to a CBT specialist that could look at that in more detail, especially if they're struggling to stick to their goals and their new behaviours. Can you see It'd why? It'd be perfect, I, wouldn't I, it? Like I opened this with language because mm. it's key that I uh, have this sensory acuity to their language and understanding... Okay, they, they just gave me a sentence. They just gave me a 90-second spiel. But if I took that and I recorded that and I dissected those, I don't know, let's say five sentences that made up the paragraph they were talking about, did they delete something? Was there context and content? Was there a frame? Okay, but Mona Lisa only, only looks uh, and is, and is as, as amazing as it is, is with the frame around it. Mm. Okay, so the frame frames for Mona Lisa. Mm. Okay, yeah. so... Are they just giving you content or have they given you context? Have they deleted something? Have they distorted something? Have they generalised something? Where in those sentences can you go, well, actually, that doesn't make sense. They've missed something out and I don't know what it is they've missed. Yeah. Or they've come to the conclusion and I don't know how they got to that conclusion. Or it doesn't make sense why they would do that behaviour based on they're saying they want one thing and they're doing, doing another. another. So let's yes. uh, map it up. Cool. cool. So final part is, is schemas. schemas. And you've got three um, approaches to schemas. And the first one, so let's, let's, let's label them first. Okay, so you've got simple schemas. You've got um, intermediary beliefs and assumptions as kind of schema number two. And schema number three is looking at core beliefs about the self. Yeah, so all of these are still unconscious. Just to kind of give so that let's out put there. this back into context. Let's put it back into the frame. So we had levels of um, cognitive, cognitive processing. processing. So we said there was conscious and unconscious. Yeah. Okay, which was our Northern Ireland Island and critical faculty with the border. And, and then, then inside underneath, unconscious, you inside have... unconscious, you've got automatic thoughts and schemas. So we've done automatic thoughts, which were the six cognitive errors. And, and now we're in inaccurate. Accurate, inaccurate and helpful and unhelpful. And now we're in schemas, which is still part of island, which is the unconscious. Yeah, nice. So the first one is simple beliefs. So these are beliefs about the rules governing the physical environment. Okay. And... And our own daily life as well. So I don't know why I paused then. I don't know why you paused. <laughs> I, was like, um, I, was like, I just finished that sentence. I, thought, I didn't know where I was going to go next. So you were like, this is where you are. <laughs> so it's all about our rules of daily life that we lead. So they're so simple and so unconscious that we just follow them. So you might have an unconscious rule that you always wake up, you have breakfast and then you have a shower and you do them in that order. You might have an unconscious rule of daily life whereby you, when you lay the table, you always put the knife on one side and the fork on the other Perfect. side. I like that. It might be that when you tie you up your shoelaces. It. <laughs> <laughs> that when you tie up your shoelaces, you always do the right foot before you do the left foot. When you go up the stairs, you always lead with the left foot. Yeah. Okay, when when you go out for a drive, as I don't know, when Haley and I, husband and wife, go out for a drive, I always drive. Mm, yes, can, or that you put the watch on the left arm or, you or the right watch arm. On the, yeah, completely. They feel different. Yeah. Um. So they're totally unconscious, simple schemas. They don't necessarily massively affect um your your uh like behaviors or or deep beliefs as such. So but they're they not are, beliefs, they but are, they're things you do. But they are 
they could impact your thoughts yes. heavily still. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Nice. So they're the simple schemas. Second schema is intermediary beliefs and assumptions. Yes. So these are all about um, how you kind of take a situation and associate it within yourself based on an assumption. So like an external event could be... Um, like going to the gym. Could be going to the gym. So you could say going to the gym... Um, if I go to the gym, people will look at me. People will look at me. If I go to the gym and there's mirrors, I don't like looking at myself and therefore I will have low self-confidence. Yeah, so it's conditional rules that we set up that uh, basically yes. say, this is what I believe if that happens. So the external event is the driving force behind the belief yeah. of that happening. Whereas the third and final ones, which are core beliefs about ourselves, we almost flip that on, our he on its head and say that I... One, your identity identity linked to the external environment is why you'd have high self-confidence or low self-confidence. So I'm too deconditioned, I can't go to the gym. Completely, whereas the previous one was, if I go to the gym, I'm too deconditioned. People will look at me. So it was like, yeah. it's like an inverse relationship, isn't it? So the, the second one was physical environment relates to one. Mm. And then the third one, the core belief is one relates to a physical environment. Yeah. And also about that, that third one is the identity. So it goes deeper. So it goes so simple that it could be about knives and forks to start off with. Yeah. Then it's about how you interact with others in terms of assumptions and, and environments. And then finally, the identity you set yourself and, um, based on. And everything. remember, all this comes back to a thought, okay, or a situation, mm. okay? So of a schema the situation would be the gym okay? yeah that's the situation which leads to a thought which leads to an emotion which leads to a behavior which leads to a physical reaction and remember right at the beginning of this we had it on a bit of paper where we had the situation at the top then this kind of northeast south and west and we had yeah. the, the crosshairs in the middle they all link to each other and so we've got to come back to all of these are situations or cues or triggers okay that lead to a thought yeah. And it's that thought inside CBT that we are trying to, I suppose, for a better word, reprogram. Reprogram, yeah. Around a thought process based upon a situation, trigger or cue. Mm. Because one day, like a minute earlier on, you said like one day I could have one text come through and that was the situation. And I could read it and it could lead to a series of helpful unhelpful thoughts or it could lead to simple schemas or yeah. my, I, it could get my core beliefs moving about me in relation to the text or the text in relation to me and so now you can see all this underpinning okay these levels of cognitive processing at a conscious or unconscious level yeah. am i living in northern ireland or am i living in Island, Ireland. and how am i moving across this critical faculty that passport to go between the two willy-nilly okay yeah. and how is that conjuring up a whole host of thoughts that get me to my goal that are aligned to the things i want in my day and my world and go moving forward or not what i love about everything we've said is that it just shows doesn't it we all do this like everybody yeah it's, it's not a it's case happening of, right now so it, for me like my previous assumption or previous perspective of what cbt would have been and this is years ago i would have said oh it's only broken people or people with mental health conditions that would go to a cbt therapist Far from it, isn't it? but it's not because everybody has cognitive processes yeah. <laughs> everybody has thoughts that are either helpful or unhelpful that lead to behaviors so at any point that we're finding it tough to be able to change our behaviours, it would make sense that we'd have help to un unpick Unraffle and, and yeah. reprogram those but thoughts. But even on the days where I turn around and go like, oh, I've not had a 
and not feel that anxious today, that's a thought in itself. Yes. Or a day where I go, actually, I'm and not, your behavior oh, might I might be nothing. Go, Yesterday <laughs> was a really, really good day. I didn't, I just felt really relaxed, which is a thought. And mm. I was still thinking in that day, this is a system, your, your, body your brain this incredible computer is not yeah. switched off at any point no. so whilst we might not be present consciously aware that we are thinking our unconscious levels of automatic thoughts and schemas you right there yeah pick up in a way <laughs> okay up. um are, are are switched on 24 7 at a, at a rate or a point that we will never be able to comprehend or quantify or understand yeah and so we are subject to this thought, feeling, emotion, behavior, reaction, situation, this cycle of this, this web, web. Yeah. Um, all the time. Yeah. And it's our job as fit pros to um, help our clients have a better health, mental, physical well-being. Yeah. And this is one of the many um, approaches you could take and it strengthens what we've said already about communication skills and your job as a fit pro being able to listen you're probably the person that spends is able to spend the most amount of time with that client and listen and have a conversation with them and actually you're looking you're fishing to find out what those deeper unconscious things because you might could be, be the ultimate signpost you could be the ultimate red flag signpost to say actually uh, you, you, you do need a little bit more guidance. I'm out of my depth here. This isn't within inside my scope of practice. But if you think about somebody that does have a, uh, a an unhealthy relationship with food or physical activity, sedentary uh, uh, living, uh, their job, their stress, just general day to day, you're going to spend, let's just say, at least one hour a week with them mm. as a one-to-one. Or even yeah. in a group-based situation, they might turn up three, three times a week. You've got at yeah. least maybe three lots of 45 minutes with them a week. Versus if they go and ask for guidance or help they might only spend a very short period of time with another medical professional mm. so actually they, they might not even get there at all so actually you are in the trenches with your person yeah. and the loved ones around them might be i suppose blighted for a better word because they are too close to the situation as well but you're just this kind of fly on the wall for one hour a week or three hours a week whereby you can say well actually i've noticed x y and z and mm. you can start to unpick and unravel their thoughts feelings and emotions with them or guide them to a place where they can seek better help yeah exactly and i really like also the awareness that we've just had in this is that turn around and say that just because somebody reacted or acted in a certain way doesn't mean they're broken yeah. doesn't mean that they have an issue or a problem it just means that they had a thought and they're responding around that thought. They've got different cognitive processing. So immediately, if your client's feeling quite low um, in their self-efficacy, maybe like they're, they're feeling guilty about how they reacted or responded, you can immediately educate them that actually everybody that has this. Now. And that will make them feel so much yeah. better in the moment. You can challenge them and their detached logic around mm. that. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. What I'd really like to know is Lovely. what's been your big takeaway? It feels like we've packed so much into this one and i've enjoyed it what's i've been, really what's your enjoyed takeaway? this for me i like your analogy of ireland um and i've heard crit it, and the critical faculty because it gives me a image that i can imagine that i then place everything we've spoken about into it Completely. um and I, I find that really nice like that idea of having a chat with somebody and almost feeling like you can see past that border yeah. into what they're really thinking oh, even okay. so based on what their behaviors maybe are doing three or five or seven questions deeper to go into that that other area other area mm. cool for me i really just like unpicking language to be honest um and i've hardly i've stumbled a few times today on my language yeah. um but really understanding though 
where did we where do we get deletion where do we get distortion and where do we get generalization i yeah. think this cues up nicely to jump into neuro-linguistic programming and nlp yes. on a future session yes okay whether it be next week or another week we will leave we will you on see. that hanging edge yeah. but what i'd really like to do is to go inside the inner circle somewhere around this uh, video or whatever platform app you're listening on will be a link to our parallel coaching inner circle which is in facebook I'd really like to know what's your big takeaway from today yeah. and season eight so far. Um, and if you haven't done so already, drop a five-star review inside iTunes. You wouldn't believe the impact that has on that platform and that algorithm for us to reach more people. And as you know, this is all um, an unsponsored podcast. It's just Haley and I on our couch from this perspective. Those are the facts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it's and it's with your you uh, liking, commenting, sharing, and and pushing the, the name of Fit Pro Sessions podcast out, that it's the success it is. Yep, so if you're on YouTube, make sure that you share it with a friend, tag a friend into it, or hit subscribe to our channel so you get notification of the next one as well. And with that, we will see you bright and breezy this time next week for episode number eight, which is episode eight of eight, but we might have to do nine and ten. We might do, end up having ten of eight. See you later. <laughs> Hi, I'm Neil Bergman. And I'm Hayley Bergman. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands of fitness professionals to get qualified, learn with simplicity, and coach clients with confidence. We're the first to say that learning and being a fit pro doesn't have to be hard work, and that with the right structure, support, and resources, you can become a confident and knowledgeable fitness professional that is dedicated to more. So how do you learn, qualify, and kickstart as a fit pro? This is the Fit Pro Sessions podcast with Parallel Coaching.